Hey guys, today I got to speak with Ruben from Upon and Burning Body. Uh, he's a bass player, gone lead guitar player. We talk about his transition. We get some business insight from him. Uh, learn about him and his music videos uh, and what got him into that. We even talk about the infamous Twitter incident. So please um, listen, like, subscribe, leave me a comment. Let me know who you want to hear from next. And I just thank you again for the support. Um, so first, I just want to know when you knew music was going to like play a part of your life. Oh, shit. Well, for me, I mean, that, that was my dad played Tejano, Conjunto music. So I was kind of raised on it. But <clears throat> I got into metal and, and a little bit in elementary, new metal. Like I would say that was like we, me and my friends would have CDs of like Limp Bizkit, Corn, and would trade, would like here borrow mine for a week, I'll borrow yours, and we're just like because you back then you had to buy them, so it was like shit, you can't afford to have like in every album. So each of us would get a different one, and then we'll trade them and and check them out. And then after that, in middle school, um, I had a friend Joe, Joe Lopez, who taught, who showed me Iron Maiden. And like all these classic rocks, and I was playing all this classic rock. I was playing bass, but I would just what I would do is um, I would get my dad's bass, and I had a cassette player, like an old like those old two disc with the equalizer and all that. Yeah. I had it in my room, and I would just record songs on there. So basically, I was just learning the Kiss playlist. That was like my <laughs> that was my my schooling when I was in like middle school. And then when Joe taught me about Iron Maiden and like all those badass basses, I was just like, holy shit, what is this? this is like a lead bass player. I was like, that's <laughs> Yeah, and then Les Claypool too. Like they would play that um, NIB, the one that he's on. Yeah. I love that song, dude. When I first heard that, I was like, oh shit, I can hear the bass. It's like fucking bad. <laughs> yeah, and the Red Hot Chili Peppers, obviously that one too. Like those those songs that when they were on the radio, I would just like, I'm gonna learn these and so I was jamming nothing but radio stuff and then Joe opened my eyes to like the, the other shit and then I had a friend Oscar who showed me like Slipknot and I was just and then I just took off from there and started took listening off. to my own shit. Yeah, I just started listening to my own shit, whatever. Anything anything that came to mind. Um so you would did your dad tell you like, Hey, you're gonna play music or was it just kinda like you just gravitated towards it? Yeah, I think I just gravitated towards it. Um, like a lot of my friends growing up, their dads played conjunto too with my pops, and uh, my friend Sebastian played drums, and uh, and then his neighbor played guitar. So we started like a little punk rock band in middle school. That was like yeah, right when I started middle school, and um, <clears throat> I just fell in love with it, like the feeling of jamming in a room and like the drums and all that. I love music, but actually playing it is a whole different thing, and. Um, my dad used to have this giant amp, like it was huge, like two fifteens, and then he had his eight ten and and a and a PV, all PV, old old gear, like from the eighties, and um, but it was loud, and that's the thing, like I can actually hear it, and I would play 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 through his amp, and it just felt good. Like I, I, the room was tiny; it was like a small shed we used to jam in, so I was literally standing like right in front of it. And when I would play, I was just like, oh, it feels freaking amazing. <laughs> so it was dope, yeah. And uh, yeah, they, our parents always supported us as far as like music goes. Like they would, they would buy us gear and just like, you know, they, they didn't care really what we did as far as like, oh, you got to go to college and you got to do this. Or just like, just go, don't get in trouble. 
don't call me <laughs> just you know be decent and that's all they cared about so whatever we we're doing they're like I'm, I'm cool so my dad would drive me to shows like when i was younger he would have to vouch for me because i couldn't get in the bars and you know he would have to go with me to the shows it's weird because i would always jam out with older people like even in middle school and like high school i was always jamming out with like older dudes because i was i was i was good you know i was decent so i would end up with these older bands but I, every show they're like how old is this kid and that's like oh, i'm like i'm like 16. <laughs> So yeah, my dad would have to go or, you know, they would always have to vouch for me and would have to sit there with my wristband, just hang out. <laughs> yeah. Man, yeah, that. that's it. And then, you know, obviously we started the band and started playing with all the guys and that's how we met and shit like that. And, yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing you, I maybe, I don't know if it's the first time, but like, uh, I think you were playing guitar and I think it was at the Black Sheep, like on Broadway. Remember that like art yeah. kind of thing? It was like a big warehouse in the back. I think y'all played. I don't remember the name of your bands. It was a uh, dying from the inside out. It would have had to been or four stories deep. It was one of those. I two. think it was that one. Four stories. No, you deep. know what? It was. It was no. It was dying because in four stories deep, I played bass, and then when and dying from the inside mm, out was the okay. only. Band. I played guitar in at that time. Yeah. And then um, every other band, I was, I was bass. So, yeah, it had to been a dying from the inside out then. <laughs> yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah, that was a long time ago. <laughs> was it the show when all that shit went down? I think so. I think I left before. Like, everybody uh, got maced and, like, all that craziness happened. <laughs> yeah, I heard the stories. Um, that was I think we, we left before all that stuff happened. Man, that's good. That's good. Yeah, because man, it, it was no mercy. I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, we're all I mean, dying, and they're coughing. Ah, but somebody threw a sprayed mace and jumped our uh, Robert. You remember Robert? Big Rob, tall, big guy. Sound familiar? He used to play in a pond before I joined. He played bass, and he used to play in this band called Lysis. I forgot what they changed their name to. Honor something. Honor. I can't remember. It's not the tip of my tongue. Maybe, I'm sure I would recognize him. Um, like a funny story before Upon got uh, together with Sal, like me and Sal were still in 11th hour. And I was at like one of the first practices with uh, Danny and I think it was Ricky. John Andrew was there, right? Maybe. Like, but I remember playing bass and I was like, oh, cool. Like I might do something else. And then after that, it was just like, nothing ever happened at least for me like y'all continue but i was like that's cool i was kind of at one of the beginnings i don't think it was like upon yet i think it was the idea where the sal idea and danny it. were like trying to get stuff together <clears throat> i remember um so i i hadn't talked to danny in years like we grew up together like i knew him when i was like six and we we, we lived together for a couple years and then our parents split up so i didn't see him in like years and then high school comes around and we start going to shows at Sin 13 and that's where I ran into him again. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm starting a new project. He's like, you should come check it out. And I had already, I was already in like three bands. So I was like, all right, I'll go, I'll go check it out. And um, and I, I, would, I started going and hanging out more and more. And then Robert ended up leaving because he's like, I, I, I'm gonna go, you know, pursue my other band because I, I think they're gonna do, you know, big things. So I can't focus on two bands. So he dipped out, and I was like, Well, I'll play bass. I don't mind. And I was like, I already got like three other bands. I'll, I'll jump in, fuck it. And um, and that's when I started playing bass. And it was PB, 
Um, I was jamming on bass, Ray, Sal, and then John Andrew was, oh, it wasn't John Andrew, it was April. His, his uh, girlfriend at the time was playing keyboards. So it was like uh, pretty much like uh, bleeding through kind of vibe. Yeah. You know what I mean? and, um, but then when it solidified, it was more just us um, and no, no April and everybody, all of us getting down in that room and writing shit. And before you know it, we're playing shows. And I, I think that Black Lion show Robert played. And then after that, that I think that was his last show. And then I jumped on bass. Yeah. Damn. Fun town, the fun town days. So oh, yeah, man. Uh, I guess I wasn't really planning on it, but we can totally talk about the San Antonio music scene. Like, I guess when we were in our like teens, kind of. Backyard. It was pretty. Yeah, it was pretty wild, man. Like backyard shows, Fun Town. So for people non San Antonio, Fun Town was like an amusement park, but a really just like like a generic kind of on the poor side of town you know just something for like you know for some kids to go and play video games yeah there's holes in the in the half pipe it, it was i would even say it's a music park it's just like a <laughs> like a ghetto um what is that uh what, what was a good one over here with the malibu. castle malibu <laughs> like, a, like a ghetto malibu that's all it was yeah yeah. yeah, and so Malibu Castle is like the higher up. Like they had like water bumper boats and yeah, the Grand Prix. Yeah, the <laughs> the go karts and mini yeah. golf. So we had that on the west side, and it was called Fun Town. And uh, I guess for whatever reason, they're just like to get kids in. Maybe they're just like we're yeah. gonna throw hardcore shows. I think I I don't know if it was Buddy that asked first. Chris's brother. So somebody had booked the show and then Buddy started getting in with them and they were so happy. They didn't care about anything. They're like, give us like, they didn't even care about money. They were just like, all the, the snack bar would just be wiped out. Like <laughs> they would buy all these snacks and by the end of the night, there was nothing around. So everybody would just tear up the ramen cups and all their, all their <laughs> snacks. And every time we would go in there at the end of the night, it was just, it was gone. So they were just like, they're stoked. They're like, look, we don't care. <laughs> just, you don't got to rent anything. You just get that to happen. Yeah. Because there was nobody going. Like, it was just, you know, that place was a ghost town. Yeah, for sure. I don't know how they, they made it. I don't think they lasted much after, like, the music was nah. gone from there. I think they rented out the trailers to, like, a counseling thing because we'd wait by. But I know recently um, I saw on Facebook that somebody bought it, and they're mm-hmm. actually going to try to re-renovate and get it going again and, and, you know, fix it up. And I'm like, dude, they should just make <laughs> it into a venue, like, just, just add a room and make it into a venue. And I always thought that they were going to close off that patio and be like, this could just be a, a venue. You know? Yeah. Are you the, are you the type of person to like drive by a spot and be like, this should be a venue right here? Yeah, like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, being being from here, I always thought like, man, it would be cool to have our own venue and like, you know, obviously, I don't know even where to begin, but I would, I just always thought like, man, it would be dope to have our own venue and be able to run it and the way we want to do it and make sure it's legit for other musicians because so many times you go and it's just like it's shot or it just they don't have the right you know they don't have good gear like they don't care about the sound system they're just like you got like three channels and the rest are don't work somebody spilled a beer on it whatever like you just got to make it work kick and vocals <laughs> that's what you get yeah so uh 
I mean, now with your experience, like touring, everything, like what what does the perfect venue like have for you? Um, it's a mixture. I would say it's a mixture of hospitality and like the, the, the gear up to date, having a good sound system. Like that's always makes me stoked when I go in there and I see like they've invested in the venue, the sound system's badass because that means like we don't got to worry about it. Like we, our, our sound guy can do his job and push it the way he wants to and without worried about blowing everything. And, you know, we show up to some venues and there's like extension cords plugged into extension cords to power strips. And it's just like everything's run off of one plug and you're like, man, you already know it's going to, that's just going to pop. And <laughs> in the middle of the set, straight out you're playing and all the lights go off, the PA turns off and you're like, there you go <laughs> that's what happens when you play you know bad venues so yeah i always look for that and then yeah you can always tell by the way the the people treat you you know there's a professionalism some places you go and they're just like dickheads they've been they've been at it too long and they're just like fuck these guys who are you like i don't care like just get on and get off and get get, get out of here you know so yeah, we definitely appreciate the nice venues. And we always tell our booking agent, too, whenever we find a dope venue and, and like, the crew and everybody's, like, really nice, we'll be like, this is where we want to play. When we come here, this is where we play, and that's it. Like, this is dope. <laughs> so, yeah, we take note for sure. That That's awesome. Um, when uh, So when the pond started, like, y'all got, like, going fast in the scene, like, what what do you think like it was about y'all that really had like a local fan base um so quickly in my opinion or maybe if you feel you didn't you can totally say that too but i feel like you blew up pretty quickly yeah i did because i mean i had been in a bunch of local band before and you know i was used to playing in front of like five people like your homies just like Woo! in the <laughs> crowd so you know when we started upon and, and and stuff started popping off I don't know. I think it's just everybody's influence just came in and it created something unique and, and something that nobody else was really doing as much. Or I don't know. I don't know what it, what it, what it was because there's definitely bands doing metalcore, but, you know. And also, we all had experience. We were all in other local bands. And then we started this group and kind of, I feel like, honed in on, on what we were good at. And we just ran with it. And I, we were, and constantly trying to evolve trying to figure out what we're going to do next and it was weird because we like if you hear the demos obviously like they're completely different from our first album it's like a whole new band so you know but i love those days like i always joke around with danny i was like we should just re-record it and release it <laughs> re-record genocide for the that would be sick <laughs> right uh, it's so easy now too like we got everything to, to record so it's like let's just do it have fun yeah <laughs> for really? sure man uh i remember y'all played like at again at not another like venue just some like warehouse off of culebra or like the west side didn't y'all play with the uh, thumb screw and Damn. it was like a random like outside y'all were playing outside um, was it that the hookah place was that the hookah show no it was before played? that i think yeah. Yeah, I remember we played that that hookah <laughs> place and like the owner busted out his gun and everybody was like, oh, it's like, it's oh I remember yeah. that. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> man. People are going to yeah, think so San Antonio is wild. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Back in the day, nobody cared, man. It was, it was nuts. With those shows anywhere. Man, I can't remember the warehouse with them. I know we played with uh, them a lot, so I'm trying to think. Yeah. I know we uh, did a fun town show with them for sure. Uh, and we played uh, the Black Lion with them as well. 
this so this is like um it was like an outdoor i don't know if it was like a metal like scrapyard or someone's like maybe uh like it wasn't like an auto place i don't know oh it was, just, it was for our genocide ep yeah 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 that was that was one of my ex-girlfriend katie's uh mom's friend he just owned this place and, <laughs> and we're like can we borrow your parking lot and just, <laughs> it got packed it was crazy that was a crazy night too that was a good show yeah i think everybody had fun no no nothing bad happened <laughs> at it either i don't think so other than the typical mosh in- injuries but nobody yeah. got in a fight or like you know what i mean usually there's fights and it's like sh- it's always one that's <laughs> yeah yeah um at, at what point did you know that like upon was gonna like actually tour and be like a part of the label um like when did you like feel that that was your it was y'all's time probably not till after we we signed the contract just because everything was so uncertain we're just like man is it gonna happen and we did the the battle for the bands and we we made it all the way cali we won that and then um they offered us a deal and after we signed the contract it's like okay we're in it it's a four album deal like you know and sure enough you know it took us about almost 10 years to do that and so that was pretty much all right and then we hit it after we signed the deal it was like tour after tour after tour after tour i was like okay this feels legit now like and we're we're on decent tours so it was cool it was it was awesome doing those those first couple of tours and being like all right this is this is this is what's up because we did the diy tours too we did about three or four of them going we went east coast and then we went to west and um and it was it was it was brutal it was rough like we're we i remember in the middle of it calling my family and being like i need you guys to send me money because i don't have anything to eat and like you know what i mean they, they didn't they weren't able to pay us tonight or or the buyout was just our they just gave us a pizza to share and we're all hungry <laughs> now. And if we don't save this money for gas, then we're not going to make it to the next show. So <laughs> yeah, we're all calling all our, everybody was on the phone and it's like, all right, we got to go to a Western union now and we got to go get some money. <laughs> so Man, it was brutal. I think that's not a, uh, something people like recognize even being a signed band. Like that's what, Bro. what you're running into. Like, is there any advice that you have for, people who just like they don't have to be signed but just want to start touring uh like pointers i would just say you know just don't bite off more than you can chew like you know go small you know take as little amount of crew as you can like do everything yourself um hustle obviously because your guarantee isn't going to cover everything you know you're not making a lot of money as an opening band you're probably making 100 200 bucks a night maybe and then you you got to use that to get to the next show and to the next show and hopefully if every show goes through some of those shows don't have enough people and they're like oh we're gonna cancel the show and you're like oh man now we gotta drive 10 hours to the next the next show and <laughs> so you always got to have that reserve cash too you know so right my advice is to save up your own money before you go out on the road and that way you have that cushion and for emergencies or if anything happens and hustle that's the main thing too because merchandise will save you if you can if you're a good hustler and you're able to sell enough merch then that'll carry you through the whole tour um great advice what what about uh like merch so i think um something about upon is that the merch that y'all come out with is like really cool looking designs like just really like 
I, I think that some of your merch, like, you don't even need to know who the band is. Like, the design's just so good that Uh-oh. it just drags people to, like, purchase it. Like, how did y'all go about that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's going with the times and trying to hit, like, you know, social things that are going on. And, like, I remember we did a on warp Tour, we did a King of the Moss shirt. And it, and it had our band name on there on the back, like, but that's it. And it said King of the Mosh, and that shirt just flew. Everybody wanted it. And it wasn't even like a, like you, like you said, it wasn't branding us, like, big time. It was just because it was a Texas thing. We're like, okay, we can do King of the Mosh, <laughs> Texas Pete. We would always do all these, like, little Texas things. But, um, yeah, sometimes you, you just simplest, simp- the simplest thing will sell the, the most. Like, I feel like when we have a really thought out design and like idea and we're like we want on this kind of shirt this color and like we, we go all in and that's just a shirt that doesn't sell like nobody buys it and i was like and that's to also knowing who you're selling to and who yeah. your crowd is that's a big thing because because we we catch ourselves like like um coming up with these trendy things and i was like i have to kind of check the guys sometimes i'm like this is just I don't think any of our fans are going to buy this. <laughs> like it's a little too much. Like it's, you know, I, mean, I, I don't think uh, not every metalhead, you know, has that, that kind of trendy style. They just want a black t-shirt with your logo on it. And they're happy with that. <laughs> so, you know, we, we try to, we try to have a little bit of variety, but um, to, to satisfy everybody, like we do a lyric tee, we'll do a graphic shirt. And then, and that's another thing I think I can't stress this enough is not to take out too many designs because there's definitely um, what do you call that? Like where there's just too much to look at. So a person is less likely to buy something because there's like 15 shirts that they got to pick from. And then you may not have the sizes and it just, it just turns into a big hassle, you know, and then you, you waste more time because they have to look at all the shirts. It's just like four shirts, you know what I mean? A hoodie, another little trinket or whatever, and just keep it simple. So you, people just see it like boom there it is that's my shirt you know what i mean <laughs> it's not it's not overkill that that's awesome that's honestly something i've like i probably wouldn't have thought of so i think that's great advice yeah and then you're not left over with so much stuff too after tour you know if you have six designs you're always going to be left with one of them's not going to sell and then you're going to be like oh man i got all these extra <laughs> we sat on shirts for like three years i was like dude just let's just give them away already like just get rid of them <laughs> these are so old they're like from two albums ago like shit <laughs> um so we'll, we'll talk about your albums like what uh what was your experience like going into the studio as upon like the first time were you playing on, only bass on the album uh, did you uh, help yes, out? yes. I only played bass because Chris, um, Chris and Sal. I, I would I would help uh, um, Chris write as well, but um, Chris and Sal tracked everything, and I just worried about bass. And um, I was always a stickler because I listened to all those, you know, like like um, Steve Harris, and I love putting like moving bass lines. Be like if they repeat anything on a riff, like they're like, okay, this riff is on an open, you know, open A, and they're just jamming on this riff, then I'm gonna move that root note. Like I wanna be like, I'm gonna move it and make it interesting, and and because I would love that about Maiden, you know, like he always would add those root notes, and they'd just be doing the lead, and it would just sound so cool to me. It's like having another guitar player, so. You know, whenever I, I would write bass, that's the way I would always try to do it. And even now, like, I still I still write the bass for the band, and I try to incorporate elements because I'm like, man, I just don't. Most metal bands, the bass, you can't even hear it. It's just in the back. 
it's hidden you know what i mean and i always i'm, I'm always like come on like it's louder pick it up like, make it louder i want to hear it yeah uh i remember like and it's the first thing that comes to mind but you did like a little baseline at the end of your pantera cover and i was like hell yeah that i could Something, totally hear right? it. yeah i could <laughs> totally <me> hear it <laughs> um so like what's what's uh the difference between going into the studio for the first time versus like your newest uh records or eps that you're doing well i think there's a there's a there's a fear like you're you're intimidated because you've never been there and and we're working with will putney who was he was he was just up and coming at that time but the studio that he worked with, you know, uh, recorded so many great bands. And I was just like, damn, like, this is legit. And we had to go and rent an apartment in Jersey and stay there. And so it was, it was intimidating at first. And you don't really want to speak up too much, like, you know, because the producers, you know, you, you trust them and you're, and they'll, they'll tell you things. And you're like, okay. And, but as an artist, you know, that is your, your creation. So you sometimes you have to be stern on things and you just have to be like, you know, we love this part and we really don't want to change it. And, and they have to be okay with that, you know, if, they, if, if, they're, if, if it comes down to it. But most of the times we got along with our producers and we're, we, we were open. And especially now um, when working with Chris Mora and my brother, when we write, it's just like, we'll just be real. And we're just like, that sucks. Like, let's just change it. Like, no, let's <laughs> change it. And we were never, never able to do that. Like, we're always kind of walking on eggshells and didn't want to, you know, step on everybody's toes but yeah so that that relationship is important you know when you go into record having that relationship with your producer and and being able to just be real and be like all right let's change this part because it's, it's not working <laughs> awesome um so w when did you start transitioning from bass to guitar in the band i got i got thrown into it like hard like just, just it was literally um i want to say two weeks before we left for Europe and um, Chris decided to step out because um, he, he was going to have uh, his little boy. So, you know, and he, he stepped out for that reason, mainly to do the family thing. And um, man, it was just, it was tough. There's like, we can't cancel this tour because it was, it was our tour with the uh, Asley Dying Trivium and Caliban. And it was just going to be a, a, a really sick tour. So we're just like, we can't cancel. Like, so I jumped, I had helped Chris write the songs on guitar. So I was like, well, the, the, the only thing, it's gonna be a lot easier for me to jump on guitar than to have to teach these songs to somebody. So I was like, let me jump on guitar and let's try to find a, a bass player. And that's when we asked Seth. Luckily he had his passport. I was like, yes, he has a passport, you know, he's a homie. And um, so he, he went with us on that run. And it was a crazy tour. It was a really, really, really amazing tour. That one was just, you know, I was, I was sweating because <laughs> I had never played on, I hadn't played our music on stage. I played guitar, but that was like in the local days playing easy ass riffs, like yeah. <laughs> sitting down and writing these songs, me and Chris were, it was pretty technical. So I was like, so here we go. So the first couple of shows, I was literally just planted there, just looking at my guitar, just not even moving. And everybody else is going off, and I'm just like trying to not to mess up. And then probably about like you know weekend, I was like, okay, I got it. I can I can do this and figure it out. But man, it was stressful. I, I was like every night, I just stayed up so late just trying to figure out those songs and make sure they sounded good. Yeah, man. Uh, Seth was saying like when he got when he joined the band for the tour. 
that he just like saw you practice like for hours just like repetition repetition which for Seth and uh, I, I agree too like that's probably the best way to practice like anything whether it be bass guitar like what's how do you normally go about like practicing yeah so at this point like you know we have so many songs that we've written I I honestly forget them like I, I don't like right now since we've been off I, I don't I, I forget solos and leads and all that so usually about a month before we're gonna go out again I, I'm always in writing mode, so I'm always playing guitar. But um, as far as our songs go, I always have to brush up and kind of dust it off. And then, you know, so I'll, I'll usually create a set and then I'll just start, yeah, like you said, to start repeating it and getting everything back. And and the main thing too is when you're practicing, um, like when we practice with the band and there's a p- problematic area in the song that I feel, I always tell them like after we go through the song, like let's revisit this part of the song because if you just keep skipping it over you know you're playing the song but you just kind of keep hitting this little area where it's just not working out and you don't ever address it then it's never going to get fixed like i remember i learned songs and and sometimes i'll be playing a wrong note the whole time and i didn't realize it until i i went back and listened to the song again and i was like shit i've been playing the wrong note like what a dumbass and i'm just like shit so now i i I practice more with the songs and try to figure it out that way and but yeah when we're practicing we're definitely going back and like okay let's do this part again and again and again until it comes back to us and we feel like it's tight and then we'll move on to the next song and yeah it's crazy it's it's stressful too because tito is in michigan so we only get to rehearse like we, we usually fly him in about a week or two before we play our first show and we just hit it hard like three, yeah. four days. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it's stressful, but <laughs> I, and you know what it is? It's it's getting out there and just playing the show too. Like that's part of it. Like usually after our first couple of shows, we get in the groove and it's just it's just easy after that. Just it, we just go up there and it's chill. <laughs> Hell yeah. Damn, I didn't know uh, he lived so far away. Yeah, yeah, he flies in every time, and, and you know, and then we rehearse for about a week or two, and 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 that's it. We go for it. <laughs> but that's why it's important for everybody to 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 practice individually. You know, we always I, before we do that, I usually create the set and I send it to everybody. I was like, this is a full set. How we're gonna play it, interludes and everything, and I'll, I'll bounce it out like that, and then send it to everybody, and and. Um, they, that way they can practice it. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. yeah no problem. Bless you. <laughs> okay. Bless you. Um, do you ever look up tabs of your own songs? No. And you know, it sucks because everybody asks for them. And I'm just like, I'm not a theory person. So like to break it down, like timing signatures and keys and all that stuff. I just, I've always just jammed. And I mean, I, I can, I know my notes. Like I can, I can tell you, what note I'm playing, but I have to figure it out. Like I'm not just like, oh, this is a G right here. <laughs> Hit that A or whatever, and I'm I'm not that savvy with it. It sucks because I know it's like the language, and I probably should know it by now. But <laughs> I've always just jam, man. It just I, I have a great ear, so that's that's how I've always learned. I just I hear it, and I'm just like, boom, I got it, and yeah. you know, it, it just works. <laughs> it works for me until I have to go play with like a band that, you know, is a session band or whatever, I'm going to be like, fuck out. <laughs> uh, what's, what's the like most recent thing you've done any bass on other than a pawn? Like, have you 
try like just jamming or or doing any studio stuff with bass? Yeah, definitely. I I really uh, want to do a bass driven band. Like uh um, I I love um, nothing more. Mm-hmm. Hear them? Yeah. yeah, like that. That to me, I love that sound and just like how the bass is so heavy. Well, on the last album, it was really heavy, and the guitar is almost like just just accenting it with like these high little affected guitar licks like not really like a real riff it's just like noise and but the bass is just like oh it's just jamming and <laughs> that's kind of what i want to do i've been trying to to work it out like the sound develop the sound but i want to do like a really bass driven song because i feel like um there hasn't been a, a really cool band like that that's come out like you know like a tool or or uh, um like all those all those bands you know um Primus and not maybe not that funky. I would say more like alternative, you know, like I like a tool style where it's like you can just feel the bass. <laughs> yeah, but I've been trying I've been trying trying to develop that and um I would like to do something like that, bass driven, bass and drum driven, because I'm like I, I love guitar, but I just I love to experiment with different shit and try try new things. Um so if if like I guess you were given the opportunity or maybe you have it already. Like, would you switch back to playing bass in a pond if you? Oh yeah. I love bass. I love it, man. I, I, I miss it. I miss it. Sometimes I, I well, I, I track our stuff and mm-hmm. I just, I, I miss it. Like I could tell, like, I'm just like, damn, this is what I, this is like me. <laughs> Cause my dad too, he played bass. So I, I almost feel like it's more genuine to me, at least the bass it's still ingrained more than guitar. Like I kind of had to get pushed into the guitar. It's funny cause I got all these damn guitars now, but I, I really have all these basses, but still like, and I, I, and every once in a while I'll throw one on and I'll just put on some Maiden and, you know, revisit my, my youth and go through all the Maiden songs. Cause dude, when me and Joe were jamming in middle school, we seriously must've known like 20 or 30 Maiden songs. like. We were just jamming every day. That's all we did after school. I'd go to his house, and and he had that um, live uh, life after death. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Where they went uh, to San Antonio at the Alamo Dome and all yeah. that. That same tour. He would throw on that, and we'd just go through it the whole fucking <laughs> concert and just play every song on there and jam along with it because we didn't have a drummer at the time, so we were just jamming. <laughs> yeah, that was a little heavy. Maiden, that was yeah. life after death. Yeah, they they got kind of heavy and dark. Yeah, uh, that's because of Power Slave, right? That's when they dropped Power Slave and all that. Yeah, I um, I remember too, like talking to you, and you you were like talking about Brave New World one time. I was like, hell yeah! Like, there's someone who's in the hardcore scene that knows about Iron Maiden or listens yeah. to Iron Maiden because, <laughs> like, yeah, um, and I know that, that that tripped me out too when you told me that your your pops was like. Yeah, like all about it and i was like what i was freaking out when he choked when you were telling me about all the memorabilia and i was like damn that's so sick because i was a super fan yeah i love it and still to this day when we're writing riffs i always refer it to that like it's still in like a maiden riff and i'm always like you know dual guitars harmony and you know always like i'm just like this is the maiden song every album we got to have a, a little <laughs> Maiden song. <laughs> yeah, you can totally hear that in your EP in the Genocide EP. You can hear the influence. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's uh, something I want to touch on. Um, when you started working like with Mad and Trivium, like how was that experience? 
Oh, it's good, man. He's a super down to earth person. And like, you know, we did that tour with him and that's, that's how it all started, you know, and, and they took us on tour. It's weird. Cause we didn't really fit in. We're, we're definitely like the heavy band on tour or more progressive, I'd say, cause they were, they were pretty, uh, mainline like metal and same thing with uh as they die and they were in that conversion where they're already starting to go the more metal route and then um caliban was from over there so they had a huge following and we were just there playing this like uh red white and green at the time so it was, it was pretty technical for for what the tour we're on and it's funny because it would it would sometimes we would see the crowd and they'd be like like taken back, like what the fuck is this? Like it was too much for them, you know what I mean? But either way, we we became friends, and um, you know, um, we asked if he would be on the track, and he's like, yeah, I'd love to, and and uh, he ended up doing that track with us, and that that song is probably the maiden song on that album. It's definitely like the more metal, like power metal kind of vibe, and you know, I was stoked. I was like a little kid because uh, growing up on Ascendancy and and uh, kind of having that be our influence. Like that's a badass thing is I guess when we first started this band, we got all of our influences we got to tour with and like go out on the road and, and experience that and become friends with some of them. And I remember we did the Haste of Day tour and that was one of our biggest like, oh, yes. influences. And we were like, <laughs> yes, we get to tour with them. And, you know, we're so stoked about that tour, you know, and it, it was a small tour. It wasn't like a crazy huge turnout every night, but for us, it meant the world because we're getting the tour with, you know, some of our biggest influences. Yeah, man. And uh, Slipknot, didn't you do some things with Slipknot? Yeah, that was another one too, man. Like after my friend Oscar showed me them in middle school, I literally like that CD, I brought the the bonus one that had like the bonus track on it. It was like all silver. And uh, I remember having my CD player, the ultra no skip, <laughs> you know, freaking big ass CD player. And, and um, me and my dad at the time would go to the laundromat and it was just constantly on repeat, like that album until, until it didn't work anymore. It just burnt out. And I was just like, oh, that's it. <laughs> but yeah, literally that was my jam all through middle school. So, you know, coming back and being able to tour with them and, and, and watch them. We watched them every single night, like every night we'll make it down there. No matter what we're doing, we're like, we got to go watch Slipknot. We can get front row. Like when are we going to be able to do that again? And, uh, so we, we we did it, man. We went out there and, and we broke down and, you know, we became friends with some of them and, and it was cool. It was just, it's surreal. Like still to the day, I can't believe it. You know what I mean? They're, that we got homies that, that play and sit not and it's just, it's nuts, man. It's it's crazy that we've gone like, you know, full circle to to now we're kind of back in like the mid-size mid rooms, you know, cause there isn't any big metal festivals anymore like that. So, which sucks, but hopefully when it comes back there'll there'll be one there'll be like an Ozfest or some kind of like there needs to be right like a big metal festival that just goes everywhere yeah man um i mean obviously the pandemic has just impacted the scene uh here and just everywhere in general um what do you like what advice do you have for bands right now that are experiencing this you can't really play or tour like what advice do you have for them to kind of get their name out? I would say, you know, just write as much as you can. Like now's the time to be creative and, and reinvent yourself. If you want to try new things, you know what I mean? Try to experiment and, and see where it goes, see where it takes you. 
um, content as always, like you got to come out with content videos, think of new ways to do things, you know, just chatting like this, obviously doing, doing podcasts and keeping your name out there any way you can. And um, yeah, just staying engaged with your fans, you know, without trying to be biased. And, you know, that's the thing that sucks is like everything right now is about the pandemic and politics and all that, all that stuff. And um, I just, I just, I just stay out of it because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get engaged in all that stuff. I, I don't care who you vote for. I don't care, you know, what you believe in. You know, I, I rather just uh, just stay out of it because to me, it's just there's no winning. Like, you know what I mean? It's like when when you're at that family gathering and somebody brings up mm. politics, it's if nobody's there's never an end to it. So it's just like, why even why even go there? <laughs> even if you don't believe in something or you don't agree with it, it's like it sucks because I saw a post today that was kind of like musicians, you, you're, you guys should speak up, you know, you have a voice and you could change things and all this stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, but you can also destroy your career <laughs> by yeah. not saying, saying the wrong thing. You know, you could destroy everything, everything you've worked for, you know, for your whole life. So it's just not worth it. It's just, it's best just to stay out of it, you know, and just, just people, people will, will be people and you can't, you can't really do anything about that. Yeah. And plus I, I, I've never been a fan of like, um, the aggressive, you know, like arguments and just, um, uh, especially with politics. Like, I feel like it's gotten to the point where it's like, a almost like a, it's, it is like a religion and people are like, you believe in that. And it's just <laughs> like, Oh my God, it's just, I hate it. I hate it right now. It's because it, it's all anything. That's all everybody's talking about. And I'm just like, Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, crazy. man. Uh, it's definitely good to have a perspective, like your perspective, you know, because it's not, I, I just like you said, people are going to be like, oh, you can, you can, can uh, tell all these people or whatever, but like, you also have to keep your business mindset. Um, yeah, exactly. That's what it is, man. Exactly. Yeah. It's just like any, any big business, you know, they're not going to go out there and start talking i mean some of them have and you you see what happens to them you know what i mean they get the backlash and they get canceled or whatever and it's just like shit, yeah. it's saying one thing even if it's the, in the past like you know now people are digging up the past and they're like well 10 years ago you said this shit. <laughs> you're fired like damn it's, it's crazy man <laughs> yeah. luckily you know we've had our drama in with all that stuff and and it's behind us and uh luckily none of none of that has ever come back to haunt us anymore like you know people would bring it up you know the whole kidnapping thing and all that stuff but now it's kind of like i feel like with the new music and the new direction um people are just kind of you know, they're just like whatever it's it's old i mean shit, <laughs> almost like eight years ago shit. yeah that's been a minute yeah, I, six years ago that was a long time ago uh we can touch briefly on it you can skip it if you want but i remember when that happened dude i like message sal and i was like is it for real like is everything okay <laughs> it seemed uh, real right like the, dude, everything- it was it was pretty convincing i think now you can go back on it uh and then recognize you know recognize like the setup for the yeah. for the promo picture or whatnot like you can see it now well that that wasn't <laughs> even that's that's the crazy part is that <laughs> that wasn't part of it and it just kind of happened that way and i was like it, we're either the this the, the <laughs> we're either really smart or really dumb because i was like the world is my enemy now yeah founded and i was like 
this might just be like the the, the coolest like <laughs> <laughs> well you know, I mean hate us and now the world is my enemy and it's just like no but it, it really <laughs> it really wasn't supposed to happen like that and I think uh um now we can talk about it but you know it was it, it wasn't our idea and that's the thing and we got thrown under the bus for it which sucks and um you know it wasn't our public it wasn't the publicist it was somebody from the label that gave us the idea and it was so last minute that it didn't make it down the chain so when we did it people didn't like not everybody knew about it and on the on the team and all the stuff so everybody started blowing them up and we we're like, what can we do to help? And like, everybody thought it was so serious. And I was like, man, I was like, if we would have made like a little video or something, then it would have, you know, people would have known it was fake and it wasn't like a real <laughs> thing. And I was like, how? but even then, like, like you said, reading it now, like, how would you even think that it was real? Like, oh yeah, let, I'm in danger. Let me tweet real quick and yeah. be like, hey. And <laughs> but either way, I, we 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 did hurt a lot of people. <laughs> it was it was a bad move and. Um, but you know, it, it happens. I mean, it, that's the thing. Like thinking about it too, I'm like, we're in a in a heavy metal band, and like you know, these motherfuckers burn down churches and kill each other and do all sorts of crazy shit. We we tweeted, you know, a little something, and it's like everybody's like, ah, you, and, you know, you lied to us, and I was just like, fuck. Well, we learned our lesson, that's for sure. And you know, what I mean, we won't we won't follow follow anybody else's uh, uh ideas <laughs> like that anymore we're like let's let's chill on that shit yeah <laughs> yeah it was, it was crazy we did get a lot of backlash so i was like damn and same thing we're getting hit by family and friends and, and everybody was just like don't answer don't yeah. say anything like don't say anything to anybody and we're just like okay we'll write it out and yeah yeah yeah, yeah sal for real left me on red too yeah, and I was just like, oh, come on, man. Um, Don't answer. <laughs> uh, all right. So, throughout your career, you've done. Um, Upon has made like a bunch of music videos, cool looking. Like, it's and now you're doing music videos. Um, is that just something that you picked up like while you're uh, doing them yourself, or is it just something you've always been wanting to do? Yeah, I think so. I think that that's where I I, I realized that how creative it was and i always love to to do that for our stage show like i will i was always trying to incorporate like a theatrical kind of thing to it and it, you know it's it's hard you gotta get everybody has to be down to do it and that, that's why it didn't really work out for us but you know just having that mindset of building props and like doing cool shit and, and the thing i think with a lot of videographers is that you know, some of them have the school and the knowledge and all that, but they're not musicians. So when they edit, that's where the issue comes in. Like I, we would do so many videos where like the footage was amazing. Like we're like, oh, that's so sick. And and then they'd send us the edit and none of the stuff they showed us was in the video. And I'm just like, where's all the cool shit you showed us? Like what's going on? And, and or, you know, the cuts were off, like they didn't really sync up. And, and I was just like, man, are the, you know, the drums were doing something completely different than what, what the song is playing and you're doing a fill and it's just like a chill beat. And I'm just like, man, like, you know, I think that kind of was like, maybe I, I'll have an upper hand because I'm an actual musician and I can actually, you know, emphasize these parts. So when I edit videos and I hear cool shit going on in the song, like a cool guitar lick automatically, 
that's what I'm going to show is that sick ass lick or the drum fill or like, you know, and I keep, I pay attention to that. So when I'm editing, I can build the song that way. And, and also from writing music, knowing that, you know, you want to build up your song to have a peak, you know, and to have that peak kind of three quarters of the way in, like, that's the same way I do my videos. I'm like, there has to be like a wow moment. So people will want to watch it over and over and over again. Cause if it, if it doesn't have that moment, then why, why, why listen to a song or why watch anything, you know, if a movie's just coasting and then there's no like exciting, nothing exciting. You're just like, oh, like what I just watched, <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> so, so that's my mindset, you know, just trying to, to um, have a musical sense when editing videos and just really trying to build it up in that way. And, and, it, and it's worked so far, you know, all the bands have done videos for, they're stoked and, and, you know, they take notice to it. You could tell like the drummer's stoked because he's like, oh, you got my fill. Like, I, you know, they work hard on the music and they, they, they write these badass parts, but, you know, half of them don't, you don't, you don't get to see them or anything. So yeah, that's yeah, just been my whole background. Yeah. Hell yeah. Is that like what you're trying to do moving forward? Like you want to yeah. start? Yeah, at the moment, yeah, I just, I love it. I love being creative. I love working with the bands and, and just, you know, um, trying to help them bring their vision to life. And, you know, I'm not charging them an arm and a leg. Like if they went to an expensive production company, I, I do it for cheaper. So, so, cause I know how it is, you know, I know it's hard to come up with those funds. You know, everybody's working, trying to, to, to scrounge up money to record and make videos and do all that. So I always try to help out bands and, and then it it also turns into like a consultation like you know they want to know like well what you know what do we do with this video you know and i'm just like well, you know and i try to help them out in that sense too for free i don't charge them for that i'm just like hey like you know this is this is what i would do you know you guys have this really cool vibe and you know try to push it here or do something different than everybody else and so yeah i just i just want to help help bands because i think uh there's a lot of good talent right now, especially in San Antonio and, and in Texas in general, there's so many good bands. And um, sometimes, you know, I see some of their stuff that they're putting out and I'm just like, man, they could do better, you know, and they can, they can have something that, that goes with their vibe and not, you know, something kind of off the wall and weird and, you know, just kind of help push them in that direction. Um, so on that note, just a quick and easy night. It doesn't have to be super detailed. Like, what advice do you have for um, maybe bands to get a music video through you or just a music video in general? Like, what are just some general, like, things you recommend for them to get that video out? I think my main thing when I talk to bands is location. Like, just trying to find a cool spot that, that whether they have a friend or a family member that has a garage or like a rundown building or something like that. I think that's, that's been my biggest issue is trying to find a cool, unique location. Cause you know, and if I can't, then it's usually, you know, we got to set up a black backdrop or something like to film them and then create that illusion with lighting and all this stuff. So, but yeah, I think uh, save up and find that location. And I think that's, that's pretty much the, the biggest thing is have a cool spot to, to record the video and then everything else will, will fall in line. Perfect. Um, so how can people get in touch with you uh, to record any music videos? I have a Facebook page that's R-A underscore creative. And it's with, uh, with the v. there's no E on creative. It's just creative with a V at the end. And then uh, mine, mine is uh, Ruben UABB Alvarez. Yeah, you can hit me up too. Hell yeah, man.
Dude, I appreciate the time so much. It was awesome. Uh, we definitely need to catch up again. Now you're in town, we can go get some tacos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, show me the spots, man. I'll show you some spots. <laughs> hey, let's do it. Um, all right, dude. Well, I appreciate it again, and uh, you just have a good night, and we'll catch up soon. Yeah, definitely. Take care, man. Good time. All right, dude. Later.